Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast, sponsored by Pantera Press. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hello and welcome back to the Good Reading Podcast. I'm Erin Christie. Today we have an exclusive interview with Charlotte McConaughey, author of The Last Migration, which comes out on August 4th. Charlotte is an Australian novelist and screenwriter, and The Last Migration is her first foray into adult literary fiction. It's our August pick for our online book club. It is a book about love, about loss, about wildlife, and most of all, it's about the climate crisis that we're currently facing. It's a stunning read, and it was a pleasure to chat to Charlotte for this special book club edition of the podcast. The Last Migration will be released next week in Australia and America, and comes out in Britain in January. We hope you enjoyed this chat. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, it's a pleasure. So congratulations on the book. It's great. Um, what have you been doing um, in the lead up to prepare for the release? Uh, so we've been doing a lot of um, online promotion, as you would expect in the pandemic. Um, I was meant to be going to America and the UK for some, um, you know, media tours, but uh, they got cancelled, obviously. So essentially, I'm just doing a lot of chats like this or zooming in my track pants pretty much yeah. <laughs> fair enough so is the book being released in the uk and the us yes it is yeah so the uk have pushed back their release um to january because they have been suffering a lot over there so yeah hopefully that will, will give it a bit of space for the release but yeah the um the us release is on the 4th of august the same as here okay great um okay. So, yeah, that's next week. How exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. It feels like it's never, you know, it's been coming for years now. So I thought occasionally I feel like it would just never happen. Yeah, no, fair enough. How long did it take you to write the book? Uh, the book took maybe two, two, two to three years-ish. Um, and then the kind of lead-in time to the publication has been long. Like, I signed the contracts to publish several years ago now yeah. um, and just all kinds of scheduling things come up and then it gets pushed back and this is, yeah, it's just how long it takes. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I was also interested to sort of chat to you about it because it seems like it's such a well-researched book. Like, there's just so many different aspects to it that I imagine would have taken so much research. So I can imagine you didn't sort of just write it straight off the top of your head either. Um, so how was that uh, yeah. process, doing all the research? Yeah, it was, it was kind of amazing. I mean, I definitely picked something that I knew nothing about just to make it really hard for myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew nothing about any of the subject matters. So it's, it was certainly a big, a big process, a long process. Um, I kind of, there were times when I, I, I felt like I'd never know enough to be able to start, but I think there's a point where you just have to say, okay, enough, um, use what you do know and avoid what you don't pepper in enough detail to fake that, you know, more than you do. Um, but it, I mean, it was wonderful to learn amazing things like about fishing boats and oceans and currents, um, birds, yeah. Arctic 
lands, their extraordinary migrations, yeah. um, science, ornithology, distant lands that I hadn't been to. I had to learn about Greenland and Antarctica, yeah. um, which are two amazing places on my bucket list, but they're crazy expensive and difficult yeah. to get to. <laughs> I might have to sell a few books before I can get there. Yeah, but it's amazing. We've got so much information at our fingertips, so we can, you know, we can learn so much if we have the inclination, which is a wonderful thing about this age. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, yeah, I was so interested to read, especially about Antarctica, because I've heard so much about how much yeah. it takes to prepare to travel to that place, like, you know, just yeah. to take a trip as opposed to an illegal kind of trip. But, I know. Yeah. And so Money. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, you know, it's probably a really good thing that it's difficult to get to because it leaves it pristine and you don't have hordes of tourists winding up there, which is a good thing. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, so I wanted to ask where you first um, learned about Arctic turns and what inspired you to kind of want to write about them. Yeah, so I, I started the idea for the book. Um, I guess the kind of germ of an idea started when I was in Iceland um, and I kind of fell in love with these beautiful geese called the grey lag geese and they sort of started me thinking about migratory birds and their incredible journeys um, and, and the type of people that study those birds. Um, but I didn't, the grey lag geese only go from Iceland to UK and I just decided I wanted a much grander journey for Franny to take. So I started researching birds in general and I came across the Arctic terns and they were just so beautiful. Their, their migration is from, they have the longest migration of any animal in the world <clears throat> and they go from the Arctic to the Antarctic and back again in a year. So <laughs> Yeah, which basically means that um, in the course of their life, they'll they'll fly to the moon and back three times the equivalent wow. distance, which I just could not believe. It's and it struck me as really courageous, you know, that the the enormity of that journey, and it's getting more dangerous for them every year as well. So yeah. they just became kind of metaphor for me, um, a metaphor for the courage that Franny's journey would need, that yeah. she would need, we all need in facing this kind of climate crisis. Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought just the writing was so stunning and just uh, the idea that they fly so far, it just kind of blew my mind. I had no idea. I was really wondering, like I was really curious about the book because it was like I loved it and it was so stunning but it was so sort of, I think, such a brave book to write in the sense that I think so many people um, shy away from their climate anxiety, kind of like close the tab on the internet and go and think about something happy. And I think this book yeah. is so brave because you've sort of just taken it head on and written a whole book about the climate crisis and this terrible world where we don't have any wild animals. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to know what that process of writing was like. Yeah. Um, so initially, it's funny, I, I never set out to write a book about climate change. Um, it was never kind of on my mind at all. I always write from a place of character and my priority is just to move readers. Um, but I wanted to write about the natural world and um, our connection to it and the kind of healing power of it. And you can't do that with, in this day and age without writing about climate change. 
and you shouldn't really. So yeah. I decided instead of avoiding it, I would lean into it um, and really kind of go there. I found out that um, humans have killed over 60% of all the Earth's wild animals just in the last 50 years alone. So I sort of, yeah, that was just a shocking number. Um, And I knew that that's kind of the setting that I wanted the book to take on, um, to look at that sort of bleak future. Um, I didn't want it to be a dystopian novel, uh, so looking at looking at um, the physical impacts on the human race, like food chain stuff. I wanted it to be more of a, an existential look at how it's going to feel for us to be the last remaining living creatures here um, and the terrible heartbreak that we're all going to feel. And I think so the book definitely embraces that and it is, it is a dark place And we live now uh, in a world that's saturated by bad news. We hear about it every day. Um, The next beautiful creatures become endangered or extinct because we've cut down too many forests or because the sea levels are rising. It's a grim time and it's easy to become overwhelmed, to despair, um, to become apathetic in the face of it. You know, we, we get this sense that it's too big and we're too small and how can we possibly stand up against it, especially when the people in charge of us don't seem to care. Um, but that's really, it's really important to me that what I wanted to say with this book is that, yes, it, it depicts a bleak possible future, but we're not there yet. Mm. Um, this is a book, yeah. more than anything, it's about hope. Mm. Franny's a woman. Um, who is symbolic of humans in general. She starts the book out, she's lost all hope, she's embraced self-destruction, she's given up. Um, But throughout the course of this journey, against, you know, impossible odds, she manages to reclaim her hope and she can see the beauty that still remains in the world and she finds the courage to take up the fight. And I desperately hope that that's what readers take from this book. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That was a question I had for you. I was going to sort of save it for the end, but I'll talk about it now. So <laughs> I thought this might be like slightly spoilery, but the ending of the book does show Friday choosing to try to continue helping what animals remain um, when probably it would have been easier for her to just give up. And I was, yeah, I was wondering if that was sort of what you wanted people to take away from the book that we need to try instead of just yeah, yeah giving into this. Absolutely. Oh, mm. So much so. I mean, it's too important. There's too much to lose. Um, yeah. And we're not, we, look, we are a destructive species on the whole, mm. but I think we're destructive we lose hope. Um, yeah. We absolutely have the power to be nurturing and to preserve, to grow, to protect. We see it every day in those little intimate moments, the kindness and generosity that lives in us. That's the real stuff. Mm. Um, and it's our to fuel those things, to think about ways we can make our impact on this planet a positive one, um, to be brave enough to, to, to take up that fight. You know, let's make those small changes to our daily lives because they all add up to big change. Yeah. There's, there's so much power in hope. It gives us energy, I think, and that's how we're going to win this. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. Sort of on that note of, like, hope and continuing along with hope, um, the character of Basil, he kind of seemed like, a bit of a personification of the ideas people are constantly fighting against in order to save Earth from climate change. Um, I was wondering if you struggled at all to sort of um, put yourself in his shoes or, like, write, kind of bring his ideas to life. Like, how did you sort of manage that? Um, Yeah, I guess his attitude is that 
you know, humans are just kind of getting on with their lives and doing what they've always done and that it's not really our fault. It's just, you know, it's just life. It's just what's happening beyond us. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's, that's an easy thing to slip into. Um, I didn't find that difficult to kind of take on at all because there's so many people with that attitude. Um, and, and even in my worst hours, I, I start to think, oh, God, there's nothing. Like, I give up. I, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to do anything about this. So I'll just I guess I'll just enjoy my life. Um, but it's not, yeah, it's not the right attitude at all. We can, we can enjoy our lives and be responsible at the same time. Um, yeah, easily. Yeah. So he's, he's, yeah, he's kind of the counter to Franny's um, climate passion. Definitely. Um, I thought it was really interesting that you were able to include his views in there, like just as a sort of like to show sort of where we're going wrong. I think it worked really well. Yeah. Um, so were you interested in wildlife generally or did this kind of, so obviously you saw the, um, was it geese in Iceland, did you say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love, I love wildlife. Um, I love birds. I yeah. love all living creatures. It felt natural for me to write about um, animals when I found out that they were in dire straits. Yeah. Um, definitely. So did it take with when it comes to sort of, um, cause there's, there's obviously the main animals, the, the Arctic terns, but they, you know, discuss all kinds of animals that have gone extinct and sort of like, um, the way crows operate and you talk about wolves as well. So did it take like, it, how was the research process for, um, about for those animals? Yeah, it, it was such a pleasure. It was, um, I just kind of, I think it's all the animals that I love the most feature in this book. Um, so I, I just, yeah, when I needed to research them, I just took a pause in the in the writing and I kind of read as much as I could and fell in love with them even more and and used, used those to sort of flesh out the world of this book as much mm. as I could. Um, the crows are amazing. They have this incredible ability to... Um, recognize human faces so mm. I love the idea that they um you know you hear real stories of people who um you know flocks of crows fall in love with them and they follow them around and if you feed them they'll bring you little gifts so I thought that was a beautiful um aspect to kind of include for Franny's childhood yeah definitely and then also when she finds the egg oh it was just so beautiful I loved it um, <laughs> um so more on like kind of the writing process so you said um you kind of write things that are character based um yes. so how did the idea of Franny's kind of story come to you yeah um Franny is, so I've been thinking about Franny for the last four or five years. She's really taken over my life. Yeah. Um, it sounds like crazy to say, but she kind of feels like a best friend or a family member at this point. <laughs> um, she is, mm, she was a very instinctive character. Um, she kind of came to me and unspooled on the page and really led me through the story in a lot of ways and kind of revealed things about herself to me, which sounds like insane to say, but it's, it's, it's weird how little um, agency I felt like I had. I felt she had it all. Um, mm. she's, she's made up of so many things that 
I think I wish I could be more of. Um, she's so wild at heart. She's connected to nature and wild creatures. She's so earthy and brave. Mm. Um, she's honest about what she wants. She doesn't subscribe to a lot of the more normal societal values like career ambition or yeah. need for stability or wealth or whatever. Um, and I think those are qualities that make her really creaturely. I love mm. the idea that some people are more led through life by instinct than anything. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's definitely elements of her that um, I'm really glad that I'm not. She's a lost soul. Um, she's been through a lot of pain in her life. Um, she, you know, she has to manage a lot of trauma that manifests. She's a yeah. one, she's a wanderer at heart as well. She's never able to stay in one place for long. And I definitely wouldn't say that I'm a wanderer. I definitely um, am a sit still and just go places in my mind person. But um, when I was a kid, my family did move around a lot. Um, so by the time I was 21, we worked out that I'd lived in 21 different houses. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was a lot. And actually it was more than that, but mum liked the poetry of 21 by 21, so she culled a few <laughs> off them. Um, <laughs> but I definitely know a little bit about what it feels like to be unsure where you belong and where your home is. And I think that's that's a huge thing that drives Franny through the story of the book. She's con- constantly searching for where she belongs, for family, home. Um, it's Sadly, it's kind of her contradictory nature um, that that need to always be moving that makes her it, it hard for her to sustain those things. Um, mm. And we kind of see that in her relationship with her husband. Yeah. Um, she's, she's a woman who I think because she didn't grow up with family, she found one in the natural world instead. So it makes her very keenly aware of its loss. Um, mm. And, yeah. Yeah, no, I... I really liked her as a character. I think also I'm maybe sort of more like you, like I like to kind of stay put and a bit of a homebody. So I think I kind of could yeah. live vicariously through her, this idea that she exactly our world and it was really beautiful. Yeah, that's what I did. Especially, especially the idea of just like, you know, jumping on a ship and sailing around the world was just mind-blowing to me. I know. I could never do that. I mean, I no. got really sick. <laughs> Um, so actually speaking of that, how much sort of research did you have to do on sailing and those kinds of mechanisms? Yeah, a lot. That was, that was actually what, (laughs) that was what kind of, I mean, it was so, it was fascinating research, but that was definitely the point at which I felt, I don't know enough about this world. Um, and I'm never going to be allowed to hop onto a deep sea fishing vessel and, experience it because mm. you have to be trained um, yeah. they don't just let it down it's way too dangerous and um, mm. so I'm thinking to myself I'm never gonna get the kind of insight I need um, I, it's too it's too detail based um, I'm not going to be able to fake this so uh, it was there were definitely moments where I sort of felt like oh god do I just give up on this idea but I kept going. I just kept reading. I kept trying to find sources from all over the place, um, as much information as I could about how it felt to be on a boat, uh, the language, mm. what the routines are like. You know, I was looking up um, blueprints of how boats are actually designed. Yep. <laughs> just trying to work, just trying to learn everything that I could, um, mm. so that it would feel authentic and real. And I hope that I achieved that. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I think you definitely have. Like, as someone who knows nothing about sailing, like, it did feel incredibly real. And there's just little moments in there that just really kind of jumped out at me and 
and also this is I know this is more a comment than a question but because they travel through such cold places I found I was reading the book and I just felt like really kind of cold and really sort of like sucked up into the world so I think that's a testament to how great the writing is I was just I felt constantly cold so um oh thank you that's good it's like a it's like a holiday when you can't go anywhere during the pandemic definitely no it definitely was <laughs> Um, so I wanted to ask about also about um, it's more kind of process stuff, but there's the novels like a, it's a across constantly switching timelines, and I was wondering how you managed keeping up with everything that was happening on sort of different timelines, I guess. Yeah. So um, I wrote. Yeah. So the the structure of the book takes place. Um, the story is told in two timelines: the front and back story. One set in the present day, and one goes back to kind of look at the big moments in Franny's life that mm. lead her to take on the present day journey. Um, and I chose the non-linear structure for a few reasons. I think, firstly, I get a bit bored when I'm writing, so mm. I, the thought of writing an entire novel from a single first-person point of view in a linear structure just wasn't. Uh, I guess it wasn't challenging enough for me, or maybe it was too challenging. <laughs> yeah. So I it's more of a natural space for me to move around a bit in time. And I actually mm. did write the book from start to finish the way you read it. Oh, wow. I didn't separate out the storylines. I, um, I wanted to be able to feel the pacing and tension as I wrote. So I just, yeah, wrote from start to finish. Mm. Um, I mean, you get, you get a much more of an intimate experience of Franny's life when you do it that way, when you get to be in those moments with her um, and really experience them. I think it's also a really great way to build tension. Um, you can kind of establish a clear transformation between, you know, who she was in the past and how she is now and get people wondering what's happened and what's changed. Um, and you can see it in little clues and then you build to these really climactic reveals of information just so you can kind of create catharsis for the reader. Yeah. Um, but I think there's, there's a bit of a trick writing to timelines. People don't always love it. They kind of resist it a little bit. But I think you can, you've got to be able to move through those storylines in a way that's engaging so that you're not feeling like, oh, damn, why are we back in this storyline? <laughs> um, you've got to pick the best moments. Um, and you also have to be able to link them with theme, I think. They have to, the, the thematic has to feed each other um, yeah. in the same way that, like, an external journey has to feed an internal one. Yeah. Um, so I guess in that sense, the theme that links Franny's life together, the past and the present, is loss and the courage that it takes to endure loss. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what also links her internal and external journeys. She's she's kind of coping with immense personal loss at the same time as the world is coping with this catastrophic loss of wildlife. Um, so, yeah, you just kind of always want them to feed each other. Definitely. And I feel like um, you've done really well in that aspect. I did feel like when I finished the book, there was, like, the themes were just so consistent. And, yeah, I, I think, her, yeah, definitely her external world was sort of, reflecting her internal world I think yeah that was yeah, and, yeah, right. so um what's next for you what are you what are you working on at the moment I am I've just spent the last year and a half during doing a whole lot of stuff for migrations or the last migration I should say um <laughs> working on 
and editing my second literary fiction novel. Great. So it's called Creatures, Creatures All, and it's the story of a wolf biologist who's charged with reintroducing wolves into a forest in Scottish Highlands um, okay. in order to rewild the ecosystem. So it's a love story, a mystery, um, and it's ultimately a story of the healing power of nature, which I guess is a recurring theme for me. <laughs> so um, that, that will be released, I know, in America this time next year and hopefully here in Australia too. Definitely. So do you think writing that, so obviously you said recurring theme for you, would you like to keep writing about sort of animals and climate change and that kind of stuff for the time being? I think so. Maybe, maybe not charging as headlong into the climate thing as I did with the last migration, but mm. certainly it fascinates me and I think it's a really, I mean, it's, I'm passionate about it, so therefore it's kind of the best thing for me to be writing about, I think. I think we should all be writing about things that we're passionate about um, and that we love and and I, I, I just love the idea that nature can feed us and sustain us even emotionally um, mm. and that we just, yeah, we we just can't afford to lose it. So yeah. I think I will. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And I think the book, um, like congratulations again on the book. I think it's going to be a great way for people to engage with their climate anxiety because that's what I found that it did for me. Like I, I think sometimes it tends to be too big an issue to kind of think about mm. in the real world. So I think like kind yeah. of coming at it from a fictional perspective that was also like true to life um yeah was an interesting way to kind of engage with it so I think you've done it yeah, right great. yeah thank you that's that's really great to <laughs> so thank you so much for your time you're very welcome it was a pleasure to chat thanks for having me no worries um best of luck with your look next week yes thank you <laughs> and hopefully I'll talk to you when your next book comes out yes that would be great <laughs> Bye. Bye.